Welcome to the Literacy Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Gabriel. This is the first episode of Series 2, which is focused on emerging questions about online teaching and learning. Now that we're up and running, what's happening, what's working, what's next for literacy teaching and learning during this unique period of time in the spring of 2020. My guest today is Jen DeRegan, a multi-time alum of UConn, who has been a favorite guest speaker in my classes for a long time for several reasons that you're about to see firsthand. And the first reason is that she has a really broad, clear-eyed view of the world of education in general and literacy in particular, and is still really positive, enthusiastic, and encouraging about this work. When I first met Jen, she was a classroom teacher, but since then she has become a literacy coach, a reading consultant, and she's now a school principal and a mother of two. So she has a really multifaceted perspective on this moment in education and is also a really inspiring example of a principal who is deeply and passionately committed to literacy and who has a really deep understanding of it. She's currently the president of the Connecticut Reading Association, so if you've ever gone to any of their events, you may have seen her around uh, but or not, but you definitely know her work. Um, and she's just so much fun to talk to, so I know you're going to love this show. Let's meet Jen. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm Jen DeRagan. This is my second year as principal of George Hersey Robertson Intermediate School in Coventry. So we are um, 370 students across grades three through five. So it's just an awesome, awesome place to be. Um, we're a small district in northeastern Connecticut situated, you know, right up next to Yukon there. Um, so it's just a fabulous community and a, a terrific school. Um, and I've been in the district for about eight years now. Previously, I was the K-12 literacy specialist, so I had a chance to work with all the teachers across the district, which was such a great experience. Um, and prior to that, I was up at Coventry High School for a few years as a reading consultant. So high school was a brand new world for me. I learned a lot there. And even before that, I started in education as a fourth and fifth grade teacher um, in, a, in a different district. So um, it's nice being back in the intermediate grades. It's certainly where I feel most comfortable um, and I just I'm so passionate about grades three through five I think it's just a cool place to be and a, a great age for kids that's super exciting um, so can I ask you what the what's the mascot of your intermediate school well I have to tell you it was like serendipitous that I became principal because my <laughs> last name is Dragon. Uh -huh. the mascot is a dragon Holy. literally it's just my last name without the e yeah oh, it's wow. a dragon so Spike the Dragon is our mascot. Spike. Um, Spike the Dragon, he's fantastic. We have a, a school urban legend that he lives in the basement in Ooh. a cave, and he comes out on Spirit Fridays to do a dance party with the kids and high five them. He can floss, he can dab. I mean, Spike wow. the Dragon is like really strong with his dance moves and his wow. school spirit. So he's out and about quite frequently, thanks to my awesome PTO. Wow, I am thrilled about this. Are there images of him on the internet or in your possession that we can link oh in the show notes? Of course. And I okay, actually good. just um, Instagrammed a few last night for my, <laughs> my Instagram account because I did a whole, before we were really shut down, shut down, I went into the building one last time mm -hmm. and we had a Spike photo shoot because I <laughs> wanted to capture Spike, um, you know, sending encouraging messages to students. So we oh, have cool. him you know, we have him washing his little paws 
We have yeah. him maintaining six feet of distance from others. <laughs> we have him standing in front of the school waving. So I have a whole collection of Spike the Dragon. That is phenomenal. Why, why, why did that seem important? You know, like I've been talking with folks about like, what were the things that you took from your classroom when you only had five seconds to decide? And like, clearly you had a moment to consider, but you went all the way back in there to do this thing. What was it about Spike or what were you thinking when you were like, you know what, if I'm going to do one thing, this is it. Yeah, I mean, this whole pandemic has really caused us to step back in education from anything that I've ever experienced or known. I, mm -hmm. I come from a background of curriculum, instruction, and assessment. SBAC mm -hmm. is like a second language to me. CFT mm -hmm. was my first language. Like, <laughs> you want to talk Common Core standards all day long, I can probably recite them verbatim. And um, this put me in a very different, albeit um, somewhat uncomfortable at first, situation where all of a sudden that didn't seem to have the same degree of importance anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, when you go back in the building and you're thinking, what do I really need? What message do I want to send to our GHR community and to our kids right now? Mm -hmm. It's not one that focuses on academics right now. It's one of, we miss you, we care mm -hmm. about you, and mm -hmm. we want you to know that while you're sitting at home, we are thinking of you, and I hope you're thinking of us. And just keeping present in students' lives because, you know, it's different for us as adults. I can't imagine being nine years old and all of a sudden you are no longer seeing your friends every day. Yeah. Um, you know, your whole family dynamic is slightly different. Your parents mm -hmm. may or may not still be going to work or working mm -hmm. from home. Mm -hmm. So your routine and consistency has been totally upended and your whole sense of community has been totally upended. You're not playing baseball on the weekends with your friends anymore. Yeah. And so, you know, you want to make sure that kids know the school community is still here for you even mm -hmm. though it looks so drastically different right now. So sending out weekly goofy pictures of Spike mm -hmm. or whatever it is, I think is, is so important. And I just wanted to capture it before I could no longer um, <laughs> have Spike available. Okay, good. <laughs> the limited window of Spike. That's, that's oh. really cool. I really He's like at that. the dry cleaners now getting cleaned because, you know, I, I don't want anyone else to wear a Spike if there's germs on him. Oh my goodness. Wow. So that's great. You know, that's, that's what we do when we close schools, we clean them. Um, <laughs> but also I really appreciate what you're saying about like how school used to be made up of certain key ingredients. Like we've got standards, we've got assessments, we've got curriculum. And now school as we know it with curriculum and assessment and showing up on time at like attendance and punctuality and the bell ringing and everything isn't essential, but a school community and learning are and they have to find a way to keep going somehow but what that looks and sounds like obviously is quite different yeah it, it's um such a drastically different role and we've all had to really take a step back to think about what is the school's function in a community okay so of course we have a mission and vision statement we have a portrait of a graduate statement we want mm -hmm. we have these high wonderful and valid aspirations for our kids Mm -hmm. And we want to maintain that academic integrity and we want to make sure that we are producing wonderful quality citizens when they leave us at age 18, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, that's easy. We all agree with that. But in a pandemic and in an emergency situation, mm -hmm. that changes a little bit. What is our role in a community? And so I try and bring that up at every staff meeting I have with my staff. Um, you know, right now we're meeting 
weekly and then different teams are meeting weekly. Uh, that's far more than we would normally be in communication and have those connections, but I mm -hmm. think it's critical right now because we're not seeing each other in any other time. Mm -hmm. And I just wanna keep that constant through line of communication and make sure it's a consistent message that I'm sharing with everybody. Nice. And what I've been sharing is, you know, right now academics is on the back burner and, um, and that's okay because mm -hmm. what we need to provide to our school community is consistency and connection. Mm -hmm. So above all, if we were to pull back standards and assessments and instruction, our kids need to know that we still care about them, that we're there for them. Mm -hmm. They still need to see our faces, whether it's Google Meets or some other vehicle, um, whether they see Spike on Instagram or something like that. Um, they need to know that we're still connected and reaching mm -hmm. out to them. Mm -hmm. And that while we don't have a bell that rings at 810 anymore, mm -hmm. we still wanna provide them some degree of routine and consistency. Yeah. But at the same time, recognize that families are in very um, disparate situations right now. And some yeah. kids can log in at nine in the morning mm -hmm. and some kids can't log in until six at night because that's when they have the technology or sure. the adult support needed mm -hmm. to access that. So we have to be more flexible than we've ever been with factors like time and resources mm -hmm. um, because that's variable in every home. And mm -hmm. it becomes an issue of equity that we want to make sure that no child is penalized because they can't log on until eight um, yeah. or they can't log on until later in the day. Yeah. So more than anything, we've, I mean, I've pulled back to that Maslow's hierarchy of needs mm -hmm. um, and, and going back to the basics because we're going to have families in the community that are affected firsthand by COVID-19 or, um, you know, everybody's affected in a different way. And mm -hmm. so I think we need to be responsive to that and compassionate. Mm -hmm. And more than any assignment we could possibly post on our Google Classrooms. And yes, our assignments are terrific and wonderful mm -hmm. and rigorous and aligned. Mm -hmm. But more than any of that that we can post for kids, they're going to remember how they felt through all of this. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the family's emotions and our personal relationship with families right now, far more than any assignment we could possibly post. Yeah, I hear that, I hear that. I wanna make sure that when people hear you say that you're prioritizing sort of what we would think of as social emotional learning, mm -hmm. that that doesn't actually deprioritize the goal of academic learning just because we've taken it out of its academic shell. Um, in school, we can control several things very well and we assume that our control of them is what leads to learning. And one of them is time. So like we begin at this time, we have bells. A lot of the activity and talk and texts and experiences in school are around time, not having enough of it, not being on time, um, or things taking too long or, you know, time is like one of the things that we monitor like it matters so much. And we're finding that like kids take lot, you know, if kids wanna take lots of varying amounts of time with certain tasks when they're doing it at home, it really doesn't matter. Um, if they want to have lots and lots of breaks in the, in the task, we won't know and it doesn't matter. If they want to do it at 8 a.m. or 6 p.m., we won't know and it doesn't matter. And so like that one thing that we were holding on to, like it must be um, in these time blocks is not really a thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think it's forced all of us to reprioritize big picture things, right? Like communication and connection, yep. relationships with families, you know, is, is paramount right now. Mm -hmm. But it also forces us to prioritize within our, theoretically, our, our school walls, what's mm -hmm. important. Um, when we look at our curriculum and we look at, well, you know, what are we going to post as assignments? What, what are our goals for instruction for these mm -hmm. next five weeks? till the end of the year, nobody knows. Mm -hmm. um, so we've had to really reprioritize, you know, critical assignments, what's most important, what's mm -hmm. gonna allow us to get kids to show what they know and can do. We yeah. still wanna move forward with some learning, but yeah. we're really, you know, being cautious and moving slowly with how we're delivering the instruction and making sure it's really addressing what we need it to address right now because, mm -hmm. um, you know, we recognize, you know, time is just a, a whole different structure right now for kids. And so we're really reprioritizing what's important for them to learn right now. Yeah. Um, and that's going to look different. And it also makes me consider the very longer term implications of this. So now that we know how to do distance learning, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, pretty much we're up and running, right? We've got a functional distance learning program. Mm -hmm. um, we're not experts by any means yet, but now that we know how to do this, will there be longer term implications for um, things like snow days? Mm -hmm. Are those no longer going to happen? I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, if there is another pandemic or another need for communities mm -hmm. to shut down, is this a viable option again for how long? Mm -hmm. um, and then you think to, to some of the um, academic skills that we're not going to get to necessarily this year mm -hmm. and how that's going to affect the next grade level and, 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 you know, through there. So there's a lot of, Obviously, everybody's using the phrase uncharted waters, and that's mm -hmm. true. There is a lot of uncertainty, but I think those are the details, right? And if you just step back and think big picture, are we providing kids and community what we need to right now, what they need? Mm -hmm. um, I think we are, as long as we keep paramount connections, relationships, consistency. Let's just use that as our driving force, and everything else we can, we can tackle. Nice. And like you're not even my boss and I really want <laughs> and I really feel good hearing that um, because we have all these kind of inner uh, voices that push us forward as educators saying like make sure that you're doing X, Y, and Z and um, it's never enough and you have to, you know, um, keep working in all of the little symbols that we look for from our kids to know that things are going well, like a smile or a light in their eye. Or, like, we don't have access to a lot of the um, signals that we're used to that say like, yes, things are going well and um, you're progressing and blah, blah. And um, it's great that we don't have the same sort of pressure to do formalized testing, but we also don't have um, an outside measure that says, hey, you did a good job. You know, so it's really important to hear these messages over and over of like, here's, here's what is important and what isn't. And I love the idea that that's um, like, a ref that is a refining of what we do. It's not a subtraction. It's, um, it's getting, it's uh, getting to the most, getting to the essentials. I think there's something exciting about being able to do that, um, as opposed to feeling that like many other things in our lives, it's one more loss. Though so I can't do this unit, what a loss. Well, it's actually an opportunity to refine in this context. I don't think that's true for all the things that you lost in the pandemic, but 
for, for right. No, I think you're right. Because even at the very beginning, when we first heard that SBAC administration and, and GSS administration was not going to happen, mm -hmm. you could like hear the collective gasp, right? Because <laughs> grades three through five, that's our bread and butter. That's, you know, we have pace yeah. and that stress those skills. We practice, um, yeah. you know, we really gear up. Like it's a big showcase of our knowledge with uh, those types of assessments in the spring. Mm -hmm. And to have that removed, all of a sudden you're like, well, well, what do I do? <laughs> okay, so hold on. Um, this is such a great use the word opportunity, which I think is absolutely right on because this is an opportunity. This is freeing. Mm -hmm. We don't have to spend um, two or three weeks rotating through testing sessions. And right. yet, how can we use our time differently and mm -hmm. perhaps better um, mm -hmm. than that? And so once we got to see it as, oh, we're not doing that. Not that I don't know if anybody could ever grieve the loss of a standardized assessment, but to some extent you do because you prepare for it and you yeah, yeah. have all these great plans in place. So there is some grieving there of all that hard work that um, yeah. might not come to fruition in the way that you had expected it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's so freeing to know like, guys, think about what kids really need right now. What do we need to teach them in fourth grade? What do we need to teach them in fifth grade before they move on to middle school? Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's bigger picture. And that is so liberating on so many levels. Yeah. Liberating is a great word for it. Um, yeah. And it shows people some for the first time, how like a lot of these things that we thought were like definite, like just facts of nature, you must know these things before the end of fourth grade, or, you, you know, you have to get a report card on a certain date. Like, those are not facts of nature. <laughs> they could go away. And when they do, what's, what's still important? You know, we have to, we have, to have the mission vision um, alive because the structures that were built around it are not available. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of structures, um, one of the things that has come up uh, in conversations on the podcast, but also uh, often around it, are uh, the idea that... Um, you know, the beginning was about learning to use tools to connect with people online. And now that people have kind of like explored some tools and they're always learning new ones and getting better at them, the question is like, how do you use the tools instead of letting the tools use you? Uh, and making sure that you are being like, um, finding the ones that really match your intentions as an educator and not finding ones that violate your intentions as an educator and, uh, and being, you know, thoughtful about those interactions. So tell me about how you're thinking about tools right now. I mean, I myself admittedly got sucked down into a rabbit hole of trying to find cute backgrounds for a Google Meets meeting today um, right for my staff meeting. Like, did I really need to spend an hour doing that? <laughs> Not really, but at the same time, I just wanted to see and I thought it'd be super engaging. So, okay, so I've, I've fallen into that. Um, so, I mean, Teachers are definitely exploring all sorts of new programs and becoming masters in Google Classroom like never before. So mm -hmm. the Google Suite has always been relatively um, familiar to our district. We've had lots of training on that, but it wasn't to say that every teacher was employing all of the different applications within mm -hmm. Google Suite. So um, Google Classroom is the platform that we're using, um, three through 12 in our district to mm -hmm. organize our distance learning. Um, most teachers, again, somewhat familiar, but there's still that, you know, that degree of new learning. And obviously, we've never used it at 3-5 for day-to-day -day instruction and assignments. Mm -hmm. So um, 
that has been a lot. And I think that has been to different degrees overwhelming for people. Mm -hmm. And so we've really just tried to be patient. You know, we, we got the notification Friday that we were not coming back on Monday and that hopefully by, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, we would have our distance learning up and running. Okay. Mm -hmm. Challenge accepted. Right. can do it. Um, But again, you know, it's a learning curve for everybody and it's still evolving. So Mm -hmm. I think the Google suite has been super helpful for us. It aligns with, you know, statewide student data privacy and um, our district has a very comprehensive plan. If you want to use a new program or a new app, it has to get district approval. And a lot of that, um, you know, there's a form to fill out. It goes to the IT department. They Mm -hmm. ensure it aligns with Connecticut student data privacy laws. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we look at our district-wide policies. So there's some control um, so that it's not the wild, wild west of, I saw this cool app and I'm going to use it with my kids, but Mm -hmm. I don't even know where this information goes Mm -hmm. and if it can be shared publicly. Um, I think our community is very conscious of that and making sure that we're protecting kids Mm -hmm. if they're being videoed, if they're in a Google Meets, Mm -hmm. if they're sharing a picture on uh, Flipgrid, we've been doing a lot more with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so making sure that it is something that's district approved so we know that it's safe for kids to use and abides um, by our policies. Mm -hmm. Um, Padlet, and then other programs that we have used in the past that we're continuing to use um, Moby Max, Alex Math, Lexia. Um, you know, there's there's good and bad with everything that you do, and programs like Lexia or Moby Max or Alex are super convenient. Um, our kids know how to use them. They've used them consistently if they've been um, in any sort of tier two or three programming. It's very easy to monitor. Um, it's great feedback. You can do a quick screenshot, send it to families. Here's how your child's progressing. You know, so like in terms of ease of communication and discrete measurement of skills along the continuum, mm-hmm. those programs have been great. Mm-hmm. However, you know what a computer program lacks is that human component and the connection and the personal and the opportunity to really interact face to face with somebody. Mm -hmm. And so we're being um, very careful to balance that as a vehicle for instruction with actual teacher time and Google meets. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think our, you know, we just had a staff meeting this morning and teachers were sharing out, they're doing office hours, three hours a day. They're doing planned Google Meets, you know, two or three times a week. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing math support, Google Meets and reading support, Google Meets, and kids can kind of check in with them online at various points throughout the day or the week. And I mean, they are seeing 75% or above of their kids accessing that. Wow. Which I think that was way beyond my expectation because again, I just keep thinking, well, not all kids might be online at noon. So Mm -hmm. what are the odds that all your kids are going to log in to see you at noon? Uh, They are because the kids crave that connection with their teacher. So Mm -hmm. I think that's tremendous. So technology is great. It needs to be used thoughtfully and carefully, Mm -hmm. which we all know. Um, So it's, it's definitely still a balance, uh, very blended learning. 
Yeah, I, what I really appreciate about that is the idea that like there's room to try new things, like but there's a process for doing that. So it isn't just a free for all. And I have talked to folks that have been really overwhelmed by just the sheer number of options that are out there. Yeah. Um, and it's great that people are sharing so many ideas, but it also like can lead to its own kind of inertia when you're like, yikes, there's a thousand things and I don't know anything about any of them. Yeah, uh, and I know also, teachers have also asked about like requirements. Are we required uh, to do a certain number of Google Meets? Do I have to learn Screencastify? Um, you know, there's, there's no guidance for this. Um, you're welcome to try it. Like these are all opportunities yeah. to try new things, but they're certainly not requirements. This is not going to show up on your TVAL. I'm not doing any observations of you using this technology right now. Um, so there's no like punitive, um, measure here. It's just figuring out what you feel comfortable with and what you think will be effective for your students learning. Um, so I don't want you know, anyone to feel caught up in the idea that there's this pressure that they have to learn a million new things. Um, so it's recognizing that staff can feel mm -hmm. overwhelmed by yeah. a million new tech options and tech yep. learning. And yep. students, I mean, mm -hmm. yes, they're pretty tech savvy. Yeah. But they can yep. still feel overwhelmed. And then parents mm -hmm. who have to help them navigate it, mm -hmm. that's new learning for them too. Mm -hmm. So to what extent can we try new and innovative things? Sure. while keeping in mind mm -hmm. um you know people's stress level and tolerance and you know just where they are at that moment in time that's a great point and it's also a great point about how that accumulates like it's new for you and it's new for them and it's new for our caregivers and so like when when is it worth it it really yeah. changes the formula for hey this is cute you know <laughs> um, and that in a really positive way i think and also the idea of that um accumulating with other potential things that are new in people's lives um, and with if there are multiple kids in the home and the you know one kid has this 16 apps that they're learning I have a friend that showed me a picture of um, she started with one post-it note of the username and password for her um, her the program that her students her sorry her students her children uh, had to use for homework sometimes that was like the one sticky note by the family computer and now there's like the wall is covered in the sticky notes of like all of like 70 different usernames and passwords for all the different things that they've got to log into this and do some of that and in middle school where they departmentalize every teacher has their own thing so I really appreciate the idea that like streamlining is a good thing that it's a responsible thing and it's part of this like overarching theme of less is really more, even though even yeah. in education, even in public education, like less is really more here. And that's good for everybody. Um, I was reading an article this morning about like what's good for CT for E kids, what's good for career and tech ed kids is good for all kids in terms of like real life experience and learning from real life. Um, and I, uh, it's echoing in my mind right now as you're talking, like what's good for teachers, like explore something, but not everything all at once um, is good for students and their parents. And what's good for the parents is good for the students, it's good for the students, good. like it, it really, comes back to what you've highlighted earlier about this is about being a part of a community. This, it's right. really this um, irony, I think, Alanis Morissette might disagree, <laughs> of being totally disconnected physically and so incredibly connected socially and cognitively. Like we can really see how pulling on one thing tugs at another in a way that I don't think I was aware of before when people were in physical proximity. Families are in so many different 
um, positions of stress mm -hmm. and different things that are going on with their family dynamics and working situations, finances, health, you know, mm -hmm. everything under the sun that everybody's grappling with. So now more than ever, the school has to be your support. We're not trying to put more undue stress on you. It's how can we help you? Um, mm -hmm. Because I mean, you know, I've been in education all my life and I have a three-year-old in preschool and it took mm -hmm. me 20 minutes to log him into his Google classroom and figure out how to do that. Really? I do this every day. Like this is literally my bread and butter. Mm -hmm. And I struggled with making sure I had all those passwords and I know these programs. Oh, I know IXL math, of course, but to sit down with a three-year-old and do it is a whole different ball game. Oh, so okay. even parents, who are teachers, yeah. parents who are in the education field, you know, it just, it's such a compounding stressor. And so right now the school is here to support you. That's the message I want to get out clear. Mm -hmm. um, we are not here to put more on your plate or to say, you need to be doing this assignment. Why didn't Johnny log into his, his reading work? Um, that is really not our job right now. I remember hearing uh, when people were talking about their initial launch plans, I was on a, um, an ILA chat with people from all over the country and also a couple of other countries and they were talking about well for the first two weeks the district decided there'd be no new learning and then for the next few weeks there would be like a learning plan and I was like I'm sorry <laughs> in what world can a district decide there is no new learning we never controlled that we <laughs> we only maybe thought we did and so I really appreciate how you're saying like are, uh, the way to protect learning opportunities is to maintain consistency and uh, to do what we can to not contribute to outside stressors that we could never possibly know or measure or understand. Um, and I think sometimes the way it's described in the media, it seems like you could predict some of these things like, well, if they have a laptop or they don't, we know, well, that doesn't actually explain um, how they're doing right now and mm -hmm. what they're interested in and what their relationship is to school and to their caregivers and you know those concrete things that you could ask about or measure don't tell even the beginning of the story and i also feel like it changes day to day um and so <laughs> um and over time probably to like we'll be able to understand the arc of this once it's in the rearview mirror but um will you tell me a little bit about how you're thinking about if you're thinking about momentum and if you are how, or if it's not about like momentum in the same way that you um, might think about like, let's finish the year strong. Um, but the, how are you thinking about making sure that kids stay engaged over time? Yeah, we started to broach this today just with, you know, grade level team leaders and some other building leaders because um, as the days get warmer and sunnier yeah. and as the novelty of distance learning wears off, yes. I can foreseeably predict that there will be a decrease in engagement with our students mm -hmm. staying in and online. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, especially whether or not we go back, um, they might not necessarily see the inherent value in certain things yeah. right away. And so playing outside is a more appealing option um, than completing this math assignment potentially. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. So, uh, so, I appreciate so, you use math as an example. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. maybe I don't know. Um, so we do have to start to think about our evolution. How are we going to keep kids motivated and engaged throughout the rest of this, um, potentially because this could be throughout the rest of the school year. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, how can we provide some sense of closure? 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, traditionally we've had a fifth grade promotion ceremony because mm -hmm. they leave us and go to the middle school. And that's a huge deal. That is like a little mini graduation of sorts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a sense of closure, even, even just from grade to grade and getting that your classroom community and with your teacher. So those are things that we're just starting to discuss um, for possibilities. But I do think, I just keep using the word evolution because we are, I think we are doing a, a tremendous job. The feedback has been great. Our staff is just above and beyond supportive and tremendous and wonderful. And I can't say enough about how hard they are working to connect with kids every day. Mm -hmm. um, but how do we evolve to, to maintain that connection and keep kids mm -hmm. coming back for more and wanting to come back for more. Mm -hmm. So that could look like a, a super highly engaging project, perhaps. It could look like the continuation of your lunch bunch meetings because it's fun and social mm -hmm. and that will keep kids with you along the way. Mm -hmm. um, or it could be a cool new tech thing like we just talked about that mm -hmm. um, could keep kids involved. So we're sort of, we're evolving. Um, okay. There's no definite end game of what we hope this looks like by June 12th. Mm -hmm. None of us really know. And I think we just need to feel comfortable with that uncertainty to the greatest extent any of us can mm -hmm. um, and just feel validated that we're doing a great job. We are working very hard in things mm -hmm. that none of us asked for, none mm -hmm. of us were trained for. Yeah. Um, and so we're putting forth our best effort every day mm -hmm. to make a difference for kids. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're at and that will continue to evolve. Wow. And that's it for this chat. You can find our guest contact information by navigating from our website, reading.education.ucon.edu and clicking on podcast. We'll also have a transcript of this conversation and links to some of the tools and ideas mentioned here. Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, share, and check back here next week for a new series of podcasts from your UConn Literacy Fellows. Thanks for listening.